Well, praise God. You guys ready to get in the word this morning? Hallelujah. You know, what's been really stirring in me is this walk of faith. You know, the Bible says Jesus commanded us, the justified ones, the ones that have been declared righteous, shall walk by faith. The Bible talks about we live by faith. We literally receive everything that God has given us by his grace. We receive that through faith. Well, I'm here to tell you, faith is a rest. It's not hard. You know, I remember years ago when the Lord came to me and he's just talking to me about, Tony, you got to stop micromanaging your faith. You know, and in our circles, because we hear some of these things from time to time, we lose sight and it gets... It gets really confusing when it's really simple. Remember when Jesus, you know, he's ministering and, and they bring this guy down through the roof of this house and these religious leaders are there. The Bible says the power was present there to heal and there was all these religious leaders. They weren't there to receive. They were there to, to judge every word Jesus said, to catch him. They had wrong motives and all of a sudden, Jesus looks at them and says, he doesn't say which is harder, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise, take up your bed and walk. He said, he said which is easier? Do you know you have been made, made to walk by faith? When you walk by sight, it's like a fish walking out of water. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, pastor. I've not walked in faith my whole life. I'm walking by sight, my life's a mess. Yeah, and do you sense how miserable you are? That inner turmoil. You guys are looking at me like, what? No, it's not natural for you to walk by sight. It's very natural for you to walk by faith. And faith is a rest. It's a rest. What does that mean? That means I cease from my own works. And now I'm simply working out what he's working in. I'm not trying to figure it out. I don't need to know how a kidney works to have my kidney healed, right? I don't need to understand cancer to know that I've been redeemed from it, right? To have it eradicated out of my body. I don't need to know about it, right? Because my job is simply to meditate on the word of God, Amen. to put it first. Why? Because as I walk through this world, the word of God is what produces everything in my life. The parable of the sower tells us that, right? I don't try to change myself. I let the word do it. I don't let... I don't, I don't try to change my body or change my marriage. I let the word go to work in my family, in my marriage, in my business, in the ministry, in everything. Because it's the word of God that is full of life and power. So simply what happens is I meditate in the word. I put his word first. I reverence, honor, and respect it above everything in my life. Because he is my life. And as I meditate in the word of God, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me opens up the word to me and light comes, revelation, knowledge. And I don't hear 
what he's saying. I actually see it. Light comes. The Holy Spirit shows me things. And what does he show me? He shows me something about Jesus. I gain revelation knowledge of Jesus and then I can progress in my walk of faith. And then he reveals something else and I progress in my walk of faith. That's how I live, how I move, and how I have my very being. Acts 17, 28 says that, for it is in him. Well, who's him? He is Jesus. What is his eternal name? The word of God. For it is in his word that I live and that I breathe and that I have, live and move and have my being. Do you see that? So we're going to talk about this. Jesus said something very powerful in Matthew chapter 11. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 28 through verse 30. I just want to kind of take you down a road. This, this message is designed for you to be able to grab hold of something to change your life. That's why you come to church. You come to church not to punch the time card and feel better. Well, I'm, I guess I'm okay now because I went to church on Sunday. No, it's to gain revelation knowledge of Jesus so that I could be strengthened and equipped to walk out God's path for my life. Matthew chapter 11, and boy, I'll tell you, there is an anointing upon the word of God. It lifts burdens. It destroys yokes of bondage. So expect that this morning. Do you know the devil's yoke? You know really what it is? It's lies. He'll tell you things. Now, now here's the thing. Sickness is manifesting in your body. Do you know that I call that a lying symptom? Because that symptom that I could actually feel or see in my body is trying to tell me, it's trying, it's trying to get me to take that sickness. Well, I'll never take it because I've been redeemed from it. And, and although the enemy might have illegally come at me in some way, he's got to leave. That sickness has to leave. I'm going to reject that on the inside, out of my spirit. I'm saying no. You can't put that on me. I call that a lie. What is the truth? Well, his word is the truth that he sent his word and healed me. Truth, the truth of God's word will always, always change facts in this natural realm. Everything you see in this natural realm has been made by something you can't see. The spirit realm is much more real. You know, everybody thinks heaven is up. Do you think heaven's up? How can that be? Because what about those people? What about those people in South Africa that are living on the other side of the planet? Well, if they point up, guess what? That's down. Right? Heaven is, heaven is dimensional. I have a feeling it's a lot closer than what we think. Right? The spirit realm is real. Do you know there's angels here right now? Do you know there's demons here right now? They're watching you. 
Do they really believe this? Right? And right now, those little demons, man, they're shaking. They're hoping that you never find out who you are. Because when you decide to start resting as you walk by faith, everything changes in your life. So let's look at this. Jesus said this, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor. This Greek word labor literally means all you that are toiling. Toiling is you've been redeemed from it. He was made a curse for you. Right? Study the curse. Do you know one of the types all throughout the Bible that when you talk about the curse, it always talks about it? Thorns. What was put on Jesus' head? Thorns. They thought they were doing something, and they were. Jesus was being made a curse. Right? God told Adam and Eve, listen, the earth is no longer going to give itself to you the way it used to. Now you're going to have to toil and you're going to have to do everything by the sweat of your brow. And then now God cuts covenant with Abraham, gives Moses the law, they build a tabernacle, and God tells them, now listen, the priests that come before me to minister... I want them to wear this type of material on their bodies because I do not want to see them sweat. God is like, I don't want to see toil in my children. He doesn't want you to toil. He says, come unto me, all of you who are toiling and are heavy laden. This Greek word means overburdened. Listen, if you're toiling, you're... The sister of that or the brother of that, you are going to eventually be overburdened, right? Jesus is like, if you're toiling, if you're overburdened, come unto me. And what does he say? And I will give you rest. This Greek word means a quiet refreshing or a quiet, it, it's a quietness that refreshes you, I guess is the best way to say that. Isn't that good news? So if you find yourself in your life right now toiling, and this is why, you know, on Wednesday night we're talking about the kingdom of God, and man, I'm telling you, provision is such a huge thing because provision is such a source of toil. People worry about it. Do you know God says we're not to worry about any of the needs of our life? In Philippians, it says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, right? God doesn't want you to worry. God doesn't want you to toil. He doesn't want you to be overburdened. He didn't make your body to be able to handle that. It says, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. The yoke of a rabbi was his doctrine. So he's saying, Take my words upon you. Why? And learn of me. For I am meek. That means I'm humble. And I'm lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. God wants your soul to be at rest. If you are not at rest in your soulish realm, 
you're going to have a real hard time resting in your physical body. Does that make sense? So God doesn't want you toiling. He doesn't want you overburdened. He wants you to come to him and learn. Take his word, take his doctrine upon you, because why? His, you can learn of him. You gain revelation knowledge of who he is. Why did Jesus come to this earth and live and do the things that he did? One of the reasons was to show us how to live. He did not live on this earth as God. He lived on this earth as a man anointed by God so that we would learn how to live. You think Jesus ever toiled? He didn't. He didn't toil, right? Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he wants you to live your life in peace. Could you imagine being freaked out about something that you already knew the end result? If you already knew the end result that you would always win, that you would always overcome, that you would always have the victory, that anything coming against you would never take you out, you would never stress about it. Right? Wouldn't matter how bad it got, you knew, you would know. I, you'd live a life of expectation knowing, man, this is going to be a cool story the way this changes. Right? Well, that's the way a Christian should live. It says here, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Why? Because my yoke is easy. This means his doctrine, this word easy means gentle and easy to use. This isn't complicated. You don't have to, you don't have to be able to quote every verse on healing to receive your healing. Notice we always say to receive your healing. But when we say that, we don't realize what we're saying. We think we're saying to receive healing. But no, no, we're saying to receive your healing. Because your healing has already been given to you. It's almost like when you eat, hey, Jeanette, can you pass me my biscuits? They're already mine. Can you pass those? Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus gave everything to us. It's already yours. Isn't that good news? It says, and he says, my burden is light. So you got to trade yokes, right? You get rid of the yoke of the enemy and you, have, you, you embrace his yoke. You get rid of all this being overburdened stuff and toil and you what? And you take on his, his burden, which is light, You've got to know that about God. This is why for hundreds of years now, the enemy has worked overtime in religion to try to make this seem like God is a taskmaster and really hard, but he's not, right? We have to know that. So now in Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 5 and 6, it tells us how to really get God involved how do I take his yoke upon me? How do I walk in his doctrine? Well, step number one, I have to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I have to come to a place where all my trust is in him and nothing else and no one else. I refuse to look to anyone or anything 
and put my trust in them. All of my trust is in him. Think of the people right now who are retired and who are living off their investments that they worked very hard to have their investments invested in something and they what do they do man they're looking at the stock market all the time because man that thing can't start dropping and all this talk about this whole thing just imploding and falling apart you know that creates real fear in things god wants you to live knowing the truth that he is your father that you are not here by accident, that you are literally here on assignment, and he will take care of you. He is your source in every way. Like I told the men Saturday morning, see, when you're, when you're earthly, earth system-minded, you think you're employed. But as a Christian, we never look at it like I'm employed. We have to look at it as it really is. I've been deployed by God. And what I'm doing for work, I'm where he wants me. I'm, my job is not my source. It is not to be my, my source for my living. No, no, he is my source. There's not one scripture in the Bible Pastor Dave will never get up here when it's investment time and talk to you about how that your job is to provide your lifestyle. And I don't want a show of hands at how many people their job is providing their lifestyle still, right? We have to grow beyond this because your job is to be a form of worship. It is how you serve the people of this earth in your circles, they are to see, and it's to be ministry, right? So you can't be a jerk at work. You can't. You can't be over by the water cooler, taking part in all this stuff, talking bad. That's That you are deployed by God there to yield fruit and to show them, right? So you're gonna have to get in faith because many times, man, you're working in situations that it's the world, right? And you have to know how to submit to authority. You also have to know how to take your authority to maybe remove some of this junk if it gets too bad, if it starts to hinder you. But you are deployed. Every one of us are deployed. We are all in full-time ministry. We're here for such a short time. And we're disguised in different areas of this world, but we are to be ministers of the gospel wherever we are. That's how come, see, we gotta be kingdom-minded. If you have an employee mentality, guess what? It will put you in a passive position against the enemy, right? You know, legally, I'm an employee of a nonprofit corporation called Faith Family Church. But I don't look at that. I am deployed. This is where I'm deployed. And I'm gonna be a good soldier, right? And when he says take the land, I'm gonna take the land. I'm not gonna look and go, well, do I think I could take the land? No, 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 no. No, my commanding officer said to take the land. That means grab the gun and go, go for it. Right? 
So this is very important that we get this. You got to know you can't live your life overburdened. You can't live your life in toil. You have to realize if you want God to direct your steps, which here's the thing, you want God to direct your steps. I mean, we're not going to have a testimony service about what, it, what happened when you decided to direct your own steps. Wow, that'd be depressing, wouldn't it? I mean, we would only have to stop with me. Pastor, please, no. Shut up, let's go. We got to go, we got to be more positive, right? No, we have to have him directing our steps. Well, for him to direct your steps, number one, I have to put all my trust in him. Number two, I have to lean not to my own understanding. I have to stop relying on my mind's conclusions. So many children of God are looking at their life and, and literally making decisions and thinking it's the leading of the Holy Spirit when it's just a thought that's hitting their mind, sometimes by the enemy. They're frustrated, I gotta do something, I gotta make more money, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, and all of it's designed to distract you from the fact that you're deployed, right? So here I am, I'm trusting in the Lord with all my heart. Now how do I do that? I gotta rely on the Holy Spirit to help me. And he's there to help me to do that. And, and, and here's the thing, if I ever waver off that, does that mean I'm disqualified? No, no. Listen, when you put the word first, when you start to waver off of that, your spirit will go, what are you doing? And it'll pull you back. This walk is always going to be an adjust and repair thing. So don't worry about that. But you got to rely not on your own mind's conclusions. And also, number three, in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? In the, he, or in the Greek language, it means, or I'm sorry, in the Hebrew language, it means, in all your ways, consider him. In other words, in everything that I'm going to do, does it match up to this? Is what I'm going to do, is that going to match up to this? Just put it through the filter of seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Is what I'm thinking of doing going to enable me to seek first the kingdom or not? Is what, is what I'm considering doing, is it leading me to be a doer of the word or is it leading me away from God? In all my ways, I have to consider him and then... Now I'm positioned where he now is able to direct my paths. And God is not standing there with his arms crossed going, I'm not doing anything till you do this. No, no, no. No, this is all about you. God wants to help you. But listen, if you don't put all your trust in him, if you don't stop relying on what your mind is telling you to do, if you don't in every way consider him, you're not in a position where you'll listen to him. He won't be able to direct your paths. And he, and th this is not the way God is. God's not a father that goes, Tony, come here. Tony, come here. Tony, come here. Come here, Tony, come here. Hey! No, he doesn't do that. He's like, Tony, come here. Right? 
And many times if Tony is just out doing his own thing and pretty soon, pretty soon it starts ending up like this, you're over here thinking you're really all that and you're beating your head against the wall, you know, and all this stuff. And all of a sudden you're starting to go, man, I'm getting, I'm kind of tired of this. This isn't working. Nothing's working. Lord, help me. What do you hear? Come here. See, God, if you're not receptive, he's not, he, remember how he tells us not to speak idle words? He doesn't speak idle words. Right? I remember when David and Sarah were little kids. Man, we heard this thing, so it's like, Sarah, come here. One, two, right, and three is death. I don't know why three is death. But if your child was running to Blondo and there was a car going 50 miles an hour down the street, would you be going, one? No, 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 no. You know, God doesn't do that. He doesn't go, one? Right? He's always there. He's always love. He's always ready to take your mess. Aren't you glad when you really mess up and it's just devastating He's just like, yeah, come over here. Come unto me. And what does he say? I'm going to slap you around a little bit. No, 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 no. He says, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you a quiet ceasing that will refresh you. Right in the middle of all of it, when he has something, oh, you'll still see it in your life for a while, but not forever, because he'll fix it. And guess what? If you go up there and mess, out, mess up again, guess what he'll do? The minute you turn to him, come on, give it to me. Let's do this thing again, right? He never gets down on you. He's always wanting to lead you. But how many times do you suffer loss because you're wasting time, right? Man, you get out of shape and you got to lose 30 pounds, but you're 25 and, and you could lay on the couch, just stop eating 20 pieces of pizza and start eating 10 and you'll lose weight, <laughs> right? But then when you're, you know, 50, man, right? No, see, see, just be real careful with all this stuff because then what happens, see, and this is, and this, this is where some people are at. So now you're 50, or you're 70, and this thing that's been in your life that you kept saying no to God for so long, now this is a big rut. And now you're like, oh, it's going to be so much harder. No, the Bible doesn't say that. It says that in the natural. But the Bible doesn't say that. He just says, give it to me, and I'll give you rest. That's what he says all the time. So how do you do it? How do you get him to direct your paths? Because... When you get in a mess, how do you get out? How do you walk by faith? You trust in him. You don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, you consider him, and then he will start directing your paths, right? Do this, sow this, get rid of this. Here's a big one. Stop hanging around all of these people. Get these, get these voices out of your life. Maybe not forever. They might eventually end up being your, your fruit, but you can't handle that right now, yeah. right? So just 
be willing to do, he'll direct your steps. He is life. He is life. Here's the deal. If you're occupied with your own plans, if you've made a decision, the, this is what I'm going to do, it will dull you spiritually. This is really big. Boy, do I know what I'm talking about here. You, you won't think you're dull, but you'll be dull. Because anytime you get your eyes on yourself, it dulls you. You're not made to be thinking about yourself. What you give your attention to, Satan knows this, is what will be on the inside of you. And what's on the inside of you will determine the outcome of every circumstance in your life. Now, when I say on the inside, am I talking about in your spirit? Listen, Satan can't drop stuff in your spirit. I'm talking about your soulish realm. Yes. Amen. What you give your attention to, it's going to get to be predominant in your mind. And it starts out with a thought. And if you start taking that thought, it'll grow into a vain imagination. And if you keep that thing going, it'll get into a stronghold. But wherever you are in that scenario, know this, the anointing destroys the stronghold. So you can turn to God anytime as his child, and that, that prison can just come down. We must make sure that God is directing our steps. The key to fulfilling what God is calling you to do is this. Am I willing to submit myself in humility to completely depend on him. That's a big decision. Because we, we, am I really willing to just completely submit to God and stop trying to fix it and just completely depend on him? Do you know that many of our brothers and sisters never get there? Because you can't get there in your own strength. The Holy Spirit has to lead you. You know, when you're raising children, when your children are small, it seems so hard until you're a seasoned parent and you have adult children. Then you look at people that have little kids and go, that child is three foot tall. It, it has to do what you tell it to do. Right? I have to keep my flesh under as a pastor all the time. Because I see where people are. And I see some decisions that are being made in the people that God has planted here. And, and you know, and I just want to fix it. But you know how much ability I have to fix something in your life? I have got about the same amount of ability as my life. I, I really need him to fix me. I can't even come close to helping fix you, right? So I've got to give, how, do, how does a pastor, I, just, I was just talking to a guy, uh, he has his own practice and, and uh, in, in, just in counseling and all this stuff and his dad was a pastor, and he said, man, there was one thing. He goes, I went to seminary, but there was one thing I was never going to be was a pastor because I saw what my dad went through, right? Well, what do pastors go through? It's real. It, we just talked about it, toil, 
And they allow themselves to be overburdened just like every other person. But you don't have to live that way. Right? When, when, when a burden is crushing your brother or sister, man, you go help them. How do you do that? You trust the Holy Spirit so you can minister grace to them. But then what you do is you lift that off them, but you don't take it. You give it to Jesus. Right? And we walk free. This is what this is talking about. Am I willing to submit myself in humility to completely depend on him? Am I completely depending on him for the safety of me and my family, for my provision, for my health? Now, does that mean I never take a vitamin, I never do any, I never, I never go to a doctor? No, 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 you do what you can do in the natural, but don't put your trust in the natural, right? Being confident in yourself will always end, and, and I'm saying always, end in failure. So let's define what failure is. Because you could say, well, now, wait a minute. No, I was really confident in myself, and I actually won, and I actually... No, okay, so let's talk about failure. Failure is anything other than God's results in your life. Oh, in the natural, it could look really good, but is it really success? What is success? Are you doing what God has called you to do? That's success. Yeah, but I'm worth $25 million. But I'm the, I'm the greatest basketball player on the planet. Okay. But if you're all about you and you're living for yourself, guess what? Not success. Won't be talked about in eternity. Won't produce any eternal fruit. Nothing. This is very important. We get this. So go over to Jeremiah chapter 17. Let me back up that statement with a scripture. Jeremiah chapter 17, we're going to look at verse 7. You guys doing okay? Yeah. Jeremiah 17, 7. It starts out, it says this, blessed. Now this Hebrew word blessed means empowered to prosper. Blessed or empowered to prosper is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by waters and that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought and neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Wow, that's a, that's a huge, this is giving us a picture of somebody who trusts in the Lord. They won't even see when heat comes. In other words, the circumstances of their life will never be an issue to them. They don't care. I don't care what, what the economy's doing. I'm increasing, right? I don't care what, what maybe viruses and things that are hitting the earth, what earthquakes and, and all, all this stuff is hitting the earth. No, no, no. I'm going to live safe. The blessing of the Lord is upon me. And not only that, I'm going to help a lot of other people. Right? 
So this is, this is very important. Trusting God, it literally brings happiness into your life. Trusting God brings his direction into your life. Why? Because you're not opposing it. Your eyes are on him. You're open to him. Trusting God will always show you which way to go and what steps to take when you're trusting God. When you're trusting in yourself, we don't really want to read those verses today, right? You'll be like a heath in the desert. You'll be alone in a dry place. Do you want to live in a dry place? That's a place where no water is. You know, when, when a person gets demons cast out of them, guess where they go? They walk around to dry places. Well, I don't want to go to a dry place. You know what that dry place is called? A dry place. <laughs> right? Don't want to do it. This person, and, and, and who is this person? He's the one who's trusting in himself. Right? And, and, I, and in my own ability or in other people. No, 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 no. I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm never going to stop yielding fruit. In every situation, every circumstance, Satan, you can't stop me. Right? Trusting God will cause you to be protected every time evil comes against you. Trusting God will cause you to overcome and walk through times of trouble that come in your life, times of difficulty, it'll cause you to walk through them in peace. Trusting God. All my trust is in him. And here's the thing, you cannot trust who you do not know. And this is why God says, listen, it's my will that everybody gets saved, but he didn't stop there and comes to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, not only gets saved, but comes to the knowledge of the truth so that they know who I am. Trusting God is having complete confidence in him, complete dependency upon him, and upon no one or nothing else. This is not something that just happens automatically. This has to become a focus of your life. And if you want to do this, you have something. You brought it today that will help you, and it's your mouth. When you seem like you're not trusting God, that's when you need to say, Father, I thank you, and I declare in the name of Jesus that all my trust is in you, and it's not in anything else. That will bring great peace into your life and direction. Trusting God is always based on knowledge of him. We must have revelation knowledge of scripture. So many Christians never open their Bible. If this is you this week, if that's your Bible and it stay closed all week, you better go, oh my goodness, am I walking as a blind man? Because that is life. And you, the reason why you didn't open it is because you have no revelation knowledge that it's your answer. And that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to live on this planet, right? Because there is an enemy. He's been defeated, but man, he will eat your lunch if you don't have revelation knowledge, right? Developing trust in God, it brings God's empowerment into your life. And this is the thing. Why are we talking about this? Because faith grows in this environment. 
as you grow in your knowledge of him and as you grow in your ability to trust him, your faith grows. Your faith will never grow beyond the amount that you trust him. It can't, right? Trusting God, it will always bring continuous victory into your life. And that is for every one of us right now, today. So in other words, we say faith in God. We could say it this way, confidence in God, trust in God. This is what it's based on, relationship. God wants to take you by the hand and he wants to walk with you in life, constantly showing you that you can trust him, constantly showing you how faithful he is, how good he is, how you can just trust him in every situation, right? He wants to, when you mess up and you've done wrong, he wants to take you by the hand and go, it's okay, let's go. Come on, I'm gonna walk you right out of this because I'm faithful. Nothing can ever separate you from my love. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Right? Have you ever been in a situation where you've really messed up? And man, you think friends are leaving you. Listen, I've got news for you. A real friend won't leave you. Many times you just found out who your friends were. Rejoice. You didn't need those other people anyway. To be honest with you, all you need is God. Right? And God will bring great people in your life. We come to trust God through life's circumstances as we walk in relationship with him. This is why religion never works. It binds you. It keeps you from ever getting to know who God is. Because God, he's a blesser. He loves you. He wants to, he literally wants to help you all the time. Blessing, well, let me say it this way. Trust will always yield the blessing of God. We learned that from Jeremiah 17, right? But here's the thing about trust. Have you ever noticed this? You have to make a choice. You have to choose. Am I going to trust him or am I not going to trust him? And this is what's happening in our day and age. You hear this and it comes to the forefront of your life. And guess what? Your life is going to start accelerating immediately. You're going to think it is Sunday. I'm hungry. I got to eat because I got 8 million things I got to do to get ready for my week. And what happens is we just kind of forget. And all of a sudden we're not choosing you have to choose to trust. It doesn't happen automatically. I'm in the word all the time. I still have to consciously go, I trust you. I, you have to. It's a constant thing. So this is interesting. Psalm chapter 18, verse 2. Psalm 18, 2. Look at what the word of God says. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. He is my God. He is my strength. Do you notice how the psalmist is declaring some things? This is how you trust in God. 
I would encourage you, you want to learn how to trust in God? Just take this verse. Right? Jesus, you are my rock. Father, you are my rock. You're my fortress. You're my deliverer. You are my God and you are my strength in whom I will trust. You are my buckler. That means you are my shield and you are my protector and you are, my hor- or you are the horn or the power of my salvation. You are the power behind my salvation. You are my high tower. This word high tower means you are my inaccessible place of refuge. There's a place that I have in God. It's inaccessible. The enemy cannot get to me there. You are that place. This brings a whole new meaning to Romans 10, 17, right? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, what is faith? So then faith, my ability to trust God. How does it come? By hearing and hearing God's word. In other words, how do I trust in him? It will come as I'm hearing God's word. So as I start to go like this, Lord, I thank you that it is written and I declare you are my rock. Guess what I'm doing right now? I'm hearing because I'm speaking. I'm not just like this. Okay, Psalm 18.2. There's just not very much power there. There's actually, there's nothing there. But man, when you start speaking, and all of a sudden it starts connecting with revelation knowledge that's in your heart, and all of a sudden, Lord, you are my rock, and on the inside of you, you see this massive rock that is immovable. You are my what? My fortress. Nothing's getting to me. You are my deliverer. You are the power of my salvation. You are my God. You are my strength. Man, I'm telling you, faith comes by hearing that. Your ability to trust God comes by gaining revelation knowledge of his word. That's exactly what Romans 10, 17 is saying. So no revelation Right? If you're not trusting God, if you get hit by something and you shrink back, don't beat yourself up. It just means you haven't been hearing. There's no revelation. Just get revelation and your life will change. This is so important that we see this. God and his word are one to the degree that I have knowledge of his word. I can trust. And here's the thing about this, this walk with the Lord. Your confidence in God will grow progressively, little by little, as you walk out God's plan for your life. This is why you want, you don't want to walk out your plan because nothing grows when you're walking out your plan. But now when you're walking out his plan, Your trust in him will grow progressively. It'll grow little by little. You'll get stronger as you walk with him because you'll trust him more because you see him work. Developing trust happens over time 
after you've made the choice to start the process. So I would encourage you, for many of you, you've already started the process, right? For some of you, maybe you've just kind of put the process on hold, start it again. If you've never started it, just, I double dog dare you to just give God a chance. He's faithful. I don't even know what that means, but I've, you know, I probably heard that when I went to Bible school in Oklahoma, right? Psalm 125 in verse 1, it's another great scripture. It says, they that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but which abides forever. You want to you wanna be somebody that's immovable? It all comes from trusting in him. Why? Because God's word can't fail you. So you find out what his word says. Because the foundation of my trust in him is the word of God. I have to take God at his word. Right? I put all of my trust in his word. I don't have to know how. I just got to know what he said. That's it. And thank God he gave me the mind of Christ so I could comprehend these things. He put his spirit in me so that I could know the things that he freely has given me. Easy. Yoke is easy. The burden is light. Isaiah chapter 26 in verse 3 and 4. Look at what it says here. This is a big one. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Wow. God will keep you in perfect peace when you put your mind on him. Why? Why can he do that? Because you're trusting in him. And then he encourages you in verse 4. Trust, trust ye in the Lord Jehovah forever. For the Lord Jehovah, he is everlasting strength. And I love this word strength because in the Hebrew language, it literally means he's not only everlasting strength, but he's an everlasting refuge. See, it's real interesting when the Bible talks about strength because it also talks about a refuge. See, you're strong in him. You're never strong apart from him. Oh, you might be physically strong or emotionally, you could maybe stand against a little bit, but not, not, not what he has for you. I mean, he has a plan for your life that, man, those giants are going to get bigger. And the devil's going to get, he's going to get mad. And he's going to come at you with everything he has. And it's not going to cause one piece of sweat to break out on your forehead because all of your trust is in the Lord. Right? That's why it says, great peace have they which love his word and nothing will offend them. I love that. The Bible is identifying right here in Isaiah 26 that trusting God literally is defined as you keeping your mind on him. And you will be tested on this material today. The enemy will throw everything at you to try to get your mind off God. Right? 
That's, that's, that literally is how he's defining trusting God. You've got to keep your mind on him. You can't be thinking about all this other stuff. In other words, what are we saying? God's word is a seed that keeps you at rest. His word does that. Your trust in God, you will be able to tell right where you are because it's expressed in how you're resting. Are you toiling? Then there's no trust. So go to the Lord and say, man, I've been, I've been toiling for so long. Lord, I don't even know where to start. He could work with that. Where do you start? You start to take these scriptures that I just went over and you start speaking them over and over and over until they start opening up in your, in, on the inside of you. And all of a sudden now, revelation comes which empowers you to go from being a hearer of the word to being a doer of the word. You cannot, how, you cannot understand how to trust God without understanding how to enter his rest. We have to learn how to enter his rest. You enter it with your mouth. Lord Jesus, I'm taking your yoke upon me. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. I trust you with everything in my life. You are my source of supply. Right now, the Holy Spirit will give you utterance to help you enter his rest. Entering into God's rest. Now remember, you can't understand how to trust God if you don't enter into his rest. And his rest means you're ceasing from your own works and you're only working out what he says. So you stop the toil, you stop trying to figure it out, you stop all this nonsense and you just get quiet and you, and you spend time with him so that revelation could come that will take you from being a hearer to being a doer of the word. And as you walk with him this way, he'll walk you right into everything. It's literally how it works. God rested, why? From his work. Remember in Genesis? He rested because he was finished, not because he was tired. We're not, talking about, we're not talking about inactivity here. We're not talking about doing nothing. We're talking about resting at work. But what work? What he's directing you to do. And I'll guarantee you what he directs you to do Man, there's a grace to do it. It's kind of like cutting warm butter with a hot knife, right? Instead of trying to cut a piece of granite with a butter knife, that's toil, right? Rest means we're not trying to work something out in our own effort. And we've got to realize this, guys. If we are not at rest, God can't work. God only can work when you're resting. It's a jurisdiction thing. God, yes, you are God's child. He owns you, right? But this is the way he has sovereignly set it up. Unless you draw near to him, he can't draw near to you. Unless you invite him into your life, he still can't work. So if you're carrying the burden, he can't carry it. Unless you're resting, he can't work. There's the answer why many are not laying hold of things. 
And God, here's the way God is. He doesn't compete with you. Did you ever notice when Jesus is on the earth, the religious leaders would try to get him to answer a question? That was funny. He's like, I'm not answering it. Why? Think about God. I'm God. No. Well, prove yourself. No. What do you do with that? He's God. Right? Yes, sir. Well, show a sign. Yeah, no sign will be given. Yeah, right? It's interesting. We must realize this is a deep subject. This is, this is now we're getting right to it. This is real. This is, this is very technical and very hard to lay hold of. This is what, if you don't leave with anything else, you've got to leave with this. This is Tony Finley deep right here, okay? <laughs> you have to get to the point where you realize that you need God. You have to get to that point. Now, you would sit here and go, well, no, I'm there. No, well, are you at resting? Because if you're not resting, you're not there. When all hell's breaking loose in your life, when it looks like, man, I have messed up for the three millionth time, I can't seem to overcome this addiction, you got to realize, I need God. Because when you realize you need God, all of a sudden, you don't realize it, but you just gave yourself a huge break. You just let yourself off the hook. You just let go of that burden that you're trying to fix yourself, and you just took upon yourself his burden, which is light. And his burden is light because why? Because he works it out. Right? And all of a sudden you realize, wow, my past failures have nothing to do with my future. And for a Christian, you realize, oh my gosh, I seem so bound, but really now I got out from underneath all this nonsense. I realize it's either God or nothing. And I realize, oh, wow, I'm free. Could it be that easy? It is that easy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's good. That's really good here, too. Wow, this is some really good stuff. I don't know why I do this myself. Man. Hmm. Next week, you got to come back, yeah. Hallelujah. So I want to give you, in closing, the definition of meditation in God's Word. Meditating in the Word of God is the thing that will drive out unbelief from your life. So many of God's children, why do they not read the Bible? Why do they not come to church? Why is God not a big part of their life? They just don't believe. Well, what will drive out unbelief? Meditating in God's word. So here is the definition taken from a lot of scriptures on meditating. And we're talking biblical meditation. We're talking about you meditate in God's word, which is life in your heart, and it will come and it'll affect your mind. But biblical meditation is this. It is a God-given process that always produces a spiritual experience which causes a permanent change in your thinking. Permanent change. 
Meditating in God's word, it is a God-given process which produces a spiritual experience which causes a permanent change in your thinking. Because of my great love for all the note takers, <laughs> biblical meditation is a God-given process. My wife is going, thank you. Is a God-given process which produces a spiritual experience which causes a permanent change in your thinking. Isn't that good news? Do you want a permanent change yeah. in your thinking? Yeah, yeah. Well, wow, God gave us a spiritual process. Yeah. I mean, it, it changes you permanently. Isn't that good news? Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about this as the Lord leads us. Praise God.